Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to On The Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone. For this episode, uh, we have a full bench with us. Christopher Nee, Zach Glossing, Josh Newberg, all joining us for uh, what will be an episode which is turning the page from the 2021 campaign into the offseason uh, and really what we do best, which is cover the transaction aspect of Florida State athletics. And by that, I mean recruiting pretty much. So uh, first off, thanks to the 700 plus people who've taken advantage of our Black Friday promo, uh, goes to Win Joshua till tonight. Right, we still have a little bit more time for the for the people to sign up and maybe get to maybe get to a thousand. That'd be yeah. Crazy. This has been crazy. We have no coaching change. We didn't make a ball game. Uh, FSU is outside the top ten in recruiting. Yet Knowles twenty four seven has sold by far the most memberships of any site on the network. During this seventy-five percent off promo, we've—I think we're closing in on eight hundred. Um, maybe we hit a thousand by the end of the day, but yeah, it's going to run until midnight tonight, I believe, and that's it. So it's seventy-five percent off an annual membership. It comes to like twenty-six bucks a day. Uh, I no, don't even think you can no, buy a T-shirt. No, no, no. wait, wait, rewind. Twenty-six rewind. bucks a year. <laughs> <laughs> this T-shirt costs twenty-six dollars a day. Yeah, I know. <laughs> if it was 26 bucks a day, I'd be doing this from cloud level. Right. Yeah, we'd be in the VIP for sure. But yeah, hey. go sign up. 26 bucks for the year. This is the promo that everybody's been waiting for. It's here for another couple hours. So go take advantage of it. It's been awesome. Thank you to, for everyone for supporting us. Tifton, no shout out in the chat for signing up today. Yeah, there's there's been a ton of people the last couple of days. So so thank you for that. And uh it is amazing because like Josh said, there haven't been any coaching changes. Uh because you didn't make a bowl game, but people are very interested right now in this program. And it, it's going in an interesting direction. I'm very much so on record, even with the loss to Florida. And we're going to get into uh, a quick reflection on the 2021 campaign. And then we're going to do the spinning forward thing that I said. Uh, I think this program is headed in a decent direction. Uh, and let's let's start there, fellas. So FSU finishes the year five and seven uh, around the horn. Chris, what was your season prediction going into the year? I don't remember if I settled on five and seven or six and six, but it was right there. In there, Joshua, my I it's ingrained in my head. I, my saying was six and six, but five is greater, you know, more of a chance than seven. So, right about where I kind of thought Florida State would land. Zach, were you throwing out season predictions way back Nine then, wins, Zach? Yeah, I think Zach was a little bullish on him. No, I didn't. I I didn't. I definitely didn't go over six wins. I was ten wins. I, I was talking like with other media before the season, and they were. Get, you know, seven, eight wins. I'm like, man, this team, this team is really not that that talented. So it was like, I was definitely in the five to six range. It, and the way Florida State gets to five wins, I don't think any of us expected. You start 0-4, Jacksonville State lost there, and, and the front half of the schedule was harder than you thought it was going to be, but the back half was easier. And just, yeah, so FSU goes five and seven. 
the loss at the end of the year to Florida real quick, Chris, we did the instant reaction, anything from rewatching that game recapping that you want to talk about, or do we just want to keep on, keep it moving? Did you rewatch that game? I did this morning just to re just to say I did. Chris, did you? I, I did not. I went to see Ghostbusters. I was like, <laughs> season's over. I don't no, need to worry about this. No, nah, I mean, I my first reaction to it was FSU didn't play very well. They were pretty sloppy and kind of put themselves in a bad position. And I think the rewatch would have reinforced that for me. And looking at PFF grades and stuff like that since the game, uh, most of what I thought in the initial watch was relatively reinforced. So, yeah, I did not invest time in watching it a second time. It's disappointing because you had a chance to make uh, make Florida quit if you start off fast and you know you, you give up the 40 yard bomb on the opening series Jordan Travis gets hurt on the second series when you pass midfield then we saw what happens like when he isn't on the field it just it, it's too bad because you had a chance there to take advantage of a vulnerable team but you let a pretty good crowd get involved into the game you fall behind uh, 24-7 and, and fight to come back into the game and that's really I think if you're looking at the microcosm or macrocosm if you will of this season uh, is that this team kept fighting despite some flaws and despite not always playing well too. I will say the people after the game who were saying that Mike Norvell and co got out coached, like again, a broken record. I don't think you know what you're talking about. I, I, I'm sorry. <laughs> Just that they lost by three points to a team that was favored by three points and a team that's better than them, even with the end of year attrition and whatnot. Um, yeah. And a team that owned the trenches on the day too. And that was the on the rewatch, Chris. That was the takeaway, and that's where we're going to get into this offseason talk. Like the offensive line has to be a heavy investment in the transfer portal. Uh, we expected it to be. I think just that further crystallizes it. So as we look at where FSU is exiting the five and seven campaign, S and P plus their regular season rank, they finish forty eighth nationally. The FPI they're at fifty first. The FEI is not out yet, but they'll be in the forty somewhere. They're in the forty range entering the week so uh, it's going to be about a composite of like in the 45 to 50 range uh where they were a year ago they were 92nd if you factor in all those three metrics uh 2019 season they were 54th 2018 season 74th they haven't been in the top 20 since the very end of the Jimbo Fisher tenure which was 19 so really this is the best season with metrics factored in that FSU has had you're trending in the right direction despite some of these inherent uh, deficiencies on the roster. So fellas, before we go into to the off season here, given FSU's where they started the season, what you thought they would be uh, and where they finished with all the ups and downs from this campaign, let, let's assign a people love letter grades. It's coaching higher season. So let's throw out some meaningless letter grades to what uh, we think FSU did this year. Again, relative to expectations, a being the best F being the worst. Feel free to do anything in between pluses, minuses, what, what not, Chris, what grade would you give Florida State's uh, on-field product this season relative to expectations? I'd say probably a B. Uh, there was a lot of variance of what I expected versus what it was. But, you know, FSU finishes 5-7. and seven, They had an opportunity to win ballpark about nine games in the sense of they played seven one-score games. And they, they won some of those. They lost some of those. If all of those go their way, they could have won probably up to nine. That's obviously a little far-fetched. They're not certainly a team there. Obviously could have lost a couple more and finished worse than they did. So they kind of balanced out in the end, and they are who they were. Jacksonville State's one that's going to always haunt them. You know, they'd probably be bowling if not for that game, obviously. 
but I don't know if they turn the season around and play as they did down the stretch if that game never happens. That's one of those things where hindsight's kind of a weird deal. Joshua, what would you assign a letter grade? Chris has a B. What do you have? Uh, somewhere in that range, in the B range. I think um, the start wasn't what we had expected. The finish wasn't what we expected on the other end. Um, you know, we didn't think – we thought that uh, – this team was possibly going to break down at, at certain points, but they did not, you know, they, they never quit in the games. They never quit on the season. So that's a really good sign. Um, they're in, I almost said they were enjoyable to watch. They were, there was some really, they were, to watch. I, they were they, enjoyable to watch. They were likable. Outside of some yeah, really I not think likable is a better word than enjoyable. Yeah. There were times where it was pulling teeth. Yeah. But it, it's been worse. I, I'd go in the B range as well. They remind me, my favorite team growing up, like that got me into sports really was the Orlando Magic's 1999-2000 team, the year where they blew everything up to make room for Tim Duncan, Grant Hill, uh, Tracy McGrady, only get two out of those three, and Grant Hill gets hurt. But anyways, that year was the heart and hustle year. They were supposed to be awful. That was, was Doc Bo Rivers. Outlaw on that team? Bo Outlaw, Daryl Armstrong. I got Bo Outlaw autographed ball somewhere around here. I can't find it. I believe it, but- you. But that's what this team reminds me of. They fell just short. I think FSU or FSU, you know, falls just short of a ball bowl game. Uh, that Orlando Magic team fell a game short of making the playoffs as an HC when they had no reason like to be that close. So uh, that's what it reminds me of. Zach, uh, you're you and I. I just been wanting to get that takeout for like a week or so. So I'm glad you guys, Central Floridians, really knew what I was talking about. Sorry to the rest of the audience that got isolated. Zach, uh, A, B, C, D, or F. I'll go B minus. I mean, it's like you pointed to the obvious. You, you can never lose the Jacksonville State game, no matter how bad your your roster is. Like, just not not something that should happen. But you know, they compete against Notre Dame. Obviously, the beginning of the season's not how they wanted it to go, but the turnaround was pretty incredible. Going on the road to beat North Carolina, um, and then you know, beating Miami and a bunch of those other schools down the stretch was pretty impressive. Just based on how that season started. So I think you de- with the turnaround, um, you definitely boost that grade up into the B range. Um, you know, if they get a bowl game, I think everyone would probably be rating it A- minus to an A, mm-hmm. just with, you know, the complete turnaround of reaching that expectation of six wins. But, yeah, I mean, I think that's a fair grade. A lot of the fan reaction is around B- minus C-plus area. Seen special teams mentioned there. That certainly was a weakness and something that they disappointed in throughout the entire season. And that was magnified on Saturday. A couple other people pointing out that, you know, what will they be when they lose these defensive ends? Well, if we were sitting here 12 months ago, they didn't have those defensive ends. So we'll see what comes. Right. I, I think we have to give the staff some level of credit in the offseason that they're going to address needs and do it effectively. I think they probably also have learned from last offseason of how to do it even more effectively than they did last go round. Especially at a position like offensive line to not be picky. Be like, hey, this is an issue going into the offseason. We need to make sure we at least stir that up a little bit. Uh, yeah, I'd go with C plus, B minus range is what I had going into this. I, I think that feels about right. They were living on a very thin, like, razor's edge all year. And even going into the year, like, five wins would be sufficient. And six wins would be really good and and a step in the right direction Four would have been pretty tough to sell. So like, you know, you're talking about a a pretty small variance there. Um, Real quick guys, before we move forward, biggest surprise and biggest disappointment from you this year, we go macro, you can go micro, you can go player, you can go coaching staff. Like 
anything that you want. Uh, Chris, I'll throw this to you first. Biggest disappointment and most pleasant surprise. Well, come on. Biggest disappointment is Jacksonville State. That was a miserable evening. They didn't treat that game correctly. They paid for it in the end. I mean, I, I can't think of something else. Biggest surprise, I would say Jordan Travis's real-time development within the season. He was good in the preseason, but it was an up-and-down preseason with guys' availability. Obviously, there were some struggles out of gate with him, but he got better throughout the year, played better. And he there was a metamorphosis with him, more so mentally, but also physically. Zachary, uh, surprise and disappointment for you? Biggest surprise for me was definitely, I think, the FSU running back room. Um, there were some questions there at the beginning of the season, you know, whether they'd be able to contribute. But Jayshon Corbin and Trayshawn Ward both, you know, showed really great ability to to make that room special this year. So, you know, Ward especially, I mean, coming coming in as a walk-on and then doing what he did this season was pretty impressive. Biggest disappointment, um, other than Jacksonville State, I think, you know, like Chris mentioned, the special teams unit, that's something that Mike Norvell prides himself on. That's been a staple um, of, of a lot of his teams in the past, like at Memphis. And um, with how much time they put into that unit, it, they just didn't get the return that should have been expected, um, especially in the return game and at times with, you know, punting the ball and, and kickoff coverage. So, um, and, and the field goal unit, it, it, like all, all, all of it. <laughs> yeah. Just super inconsistent. Um, and some of the, you know, some of those units were just consistently poor. Um, and I think that's got to be a focus this offseason is, is getting that unit um, fixed. That's the only time the F-bomb was uttered on on the bench was Josh asking special teams WTF uh, after the Clemson game. Subpart F, yep, yep, yep. Subpart F, speaking of F-bombs, uh, biggest disappointment was losing an avatar bet and never being given a punitive avatar. Uh, hey, chill out, man. I'll give you one. Well, you know what? We'll open it up for everyone to go ahead and say, Mr. Subpart F, who what you predicted FSU to win nine games and said that was the the only foreseeable outcome. Um, yeah. 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 All right, Josh. Surprise, um, my, disappointment. Yeah, my biggest surprise was Florida State's defensive line, not just their playmaking ability, but the consistency and the importance that they played in the season. Just being that one thing that Florida State could lean on. They knew they were going to get a good performance from their defensive line. Even when there was injury, seeing guys like Jarrett Jackson step up, uh, Quayshon Fuller became a rotational guy, uh, Malcolm Ray flashed. I mean, it was all hands on deck. They needed everybody. Fabian Lovett made a giant step, and then obviously the transfers, Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, they kind of set the tone. Uh, we finally saw Robert Cooper develop into a, a complete player. Like It was incredible, the metamorphosis we saw uh, as soon as they started to count Odell out. Never count out Odell. Never. And then uh, disappointment would be, for me, lack of lack of a bona fide playmaker on offense. Um, even as Jay Sean Corbin and Trey Sean Ward flashed, just the just the lack of a pure playmaker. It's it's you know it it's frustrating that this can happen at Florida State, but it shows the depth of of talent on the roster, the lack of depth of talent on the roster, I should say. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's why they're hitting these transfers so hard as we speak. And you're saying away from Jordan Travis being a playmaker, right? Yeah. Josh? Yeah. Like somebody to step up outside of Jordan Travis, like specifically at the wide receiver position. Yeah, skill guys. Uh, yeah, Jordan Travis, an elite playmaker. Yeah. So he needed some help. 
Chris, really quick, uh, we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. Things are crazy right now. Uh, there's coaches being hired and fired and players entering the transfer portal, but only one so far for FSU. Uh, a real quick update on attrition and anything that we're looking out for in, in the next uh, 48 hours or so, whether it's players, coaches, anything like that. Well, from a redshirt senior standpoint, the only question marks are Emmett Rice and Leonard Warner because of their limited playing this past year. In both cases, they didn't play. Um, guys coming off injury, we're not completely sure what the deal is there. There were obviously some underclassmen, Jalen Goss, Brady Scott. I'm sorry, Jalen Goss, Brady Scott, to Kalen Brooks, who all walked on senior day. Our belief is that all three of them are departing the program. Reggie Harden, a walk-on wide receiver, scout team guy, he entered the portal today. Exit interviews are probably likely at least a week off for FSU. I think finals week is next week. Obviously, the coaching staff is on the road heavily this week as Josh and Zach have covered so well. Um, so we'll probably see some movement with exit interviews. FSU's around with the exiting eligibility guys as it stands with the two question marks, I think around 75, 76 scholarships. That means about 10 or so. I expect us to see another 10 or so depart beyond normal attrition because FSU is going to work towards the class of 25. Um, Coaching-wise, I've not heard much on the FSU front pertaining to that. I'm not really keeping an eye out to that beyond the normal asking and seeing if anybody might get warred away to another job because of coaching changes elsewhere and movement in that sense. But I'm not expecting FSU to put somebody on the firing block personally. Everyone on the current staff is under contract through next December, so 2022. The only two who are not, to my knowledge, and I've requested clarification from FSU uh, a couple times recently and haven't heard back uh, yet, uh, but Ron Dugas and Odell Hagens do have their contracts, uh, to my understanding, uh, run through January 31st of 2022, so a month and a half from now. I haven't heard of any extensions or anything like that. They are on different schedules than other coaches, uh, so that's something that we'll keep an eye on and, and monitor, and if we have updates on that, we'll have it at Knowles 24-7. That's yeah, their contract situation was a little weird last year with those two, and we got yeah. we didn't find out about the extensions until well after they had been signed and executed. Yeah, yeah, uh, they were signed like in July or June, and we didn't find out until probably right around this time. Um, so, anyways, we will see. As I'm okay, I'm going down on my script here. Right, last thing before we get into the the recruiting scoop and transfer allocation and, and transfer portal, all that good stuff. Josh, I want to get your thoughts, the mind of Newberg, on everything that's happening in the college football world. We have people in the chat right now asking uh, about Brett Venables to Oklahoma. That noise is apparently heating up more and more, and, and there's fake rumors out there right now, but there's some that have legitimate steam, so uh, who knows with that. But you know, Florida gets Billy Napier, Lincoln Riley to USC is obviously the headliner. So uh, just your thoughts on, on everything that's happened in the last my 48 hours. My thoughts on this is, for one time in my life, I get to watch the tornado go by <laughs> instead of being in the middle of the tornado. It feels really cool. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm interested. I'm, you know, I reach out to some of my friends that are in some of these searches and laugh at them and wonder, you know, if their one day feels like four days. Remember those days, Brendan? I my favorite when you talk about friends laughing, like in the industry, my favorite thing is covering like any coaching searches, other friends in the media calling and texting you like as the news is happening, like as Willie Taggart's getting fired, like, you know, what the deal is that we're busy. Right. So, yeah, that's yeah my I wouldn't do that. I, I, I've waited. But, you know, it it's nice to have some stability. We're going to see what that does for a team. We're going to see what that does for a program. I mean, Florida State's 
recruiting class isn't going to get any better with coaching change. You know, they're, they're, they're going to actually have a chance to solidify and improve on their recruiting class because they don't have any turnover. I feel, um, and with the early signing period, it's, it's really tough. Like it's really hard to get coaches in, get them, get them hired, get them on the road recruiting. So, you know, like look at Ford. I think Billy Napier is going to coach through the, the week through the yeah, Sun he's Belt. Coaching, he's coaching the conference championship, which Louisiana is hosting against App State on Saturday. Yeah. So we're not going to really see what the impacts of UF hire mean until he gets on the road a week from now. And I don't think it's going to have too much of an impact on FSU. But I think when the dust settles is when we kind of take stock. Like we look around when the dust settles. Oh, is Venable still at Clemson? Who, you know, where's Lane Kiffin? Where's, you know, all these moving parts are going to are going to happen. But there's stability in Tallahassee. I think that's a good thing for once. And um, Florida State's going to take advantage. Yeah, let's see I, if you can capitalize on it. Go ahead. Go I can't see. wait for the ripple effect of LSU and OU. Joe C at OU hires good people. He always has. I don't know that he's ever had to hire somebody so much under a gun as he is right now. That's the biggest difference in that dynamic. Plus, hey, Bob Stoops actually has a job again. Um, interim. And then until, LSU, until, until LSU is a wild card in all this. He he's not gonna swing low. The guy hired Peterson at Washington, hired Jimbo at AM. His History tells you that he's swinging big, and I feel like people don't have a good grasp on LSU. I don't, I don't know if Sonny and Shea have written something differently today, but when I was reading it yesterday, I think after the Lincoln Riley USC stuff, they were up front. They're not sure who the next hire is going to be. They have a timeline in mind that they believe is going to hold to, but they've done a very good job. LSU's brain trust of keeping that thing very under wraps, very quiet, very interesting. But when those two or one of those two happens, there's a great deal of ripple effect that I expect to come of it potentially another major job opening because of a hire at one of those mm-hmm. two. So it's yeah. just the domino effect is wild. I think last year with such a limited amount of uh, coaching change mm-hmm. kind of led to this year. But when Lincoln Riley pulls Roy Williams going Kansas to North Carolina and does the OU to USC version, I, uh, that that's throwing dynamite in the lake of gasoline that's already on fire. I mean, it's just wild. I'm, I'm here for it. Because the secondary market's going to open up. Yeah. And Plus the secondary the jobs are going to be great. Around. Like, we might talk about Wake Forest. Dave Clawson could be gone. Uh, the secondary market, you could see Miami because Miami's not on the on the first tier market. They're definitely on the second secondary. Miami could open. I mean, there's other impacts just besides you know Venables potentially leaving. Um, like you said, Chris, there's going to be some big hires made. If Lane Kiffin's involved now, all of a sudden, Ole Miss is open. I mean, that's a middle tier SEC job. That's a really that's a really big job coming open so yeah the secondary market is going to be really interesting and it's also gonna the secondary market is also going to take some of the coordinators out too you could see venables um landing a mike elko Elko at texas a&m go take the wake forest job as a first-time coach you can see some of these some of these things happen yeah levy landing elko uh who who else coordinator wise? Who's, who's in the Notre Dame defensive Dan coordinator? Manning. Freeman. Uh, Marcus, Marcus yeah. is it Freeman? Freeman, yeah. I think. Yeah, I believe so. Bill O'Brien at Alabama. I mean, that would be a shakeup. Do you think Bill O'Brien would be a good college head coach? He's been a good college head coach. I know he has, State. but do you solid. think he wants to be that again? Yeah, it's not like, a, I think it would like be a Bama's solid hire at the secondary situation. level. It's not a good. He wasn't a good NFL head coach. Right. But yeah, I, I think we're just 
tip of the iceberg right now with coaching change and how interesting it's going to get. I, I mean, hell, I'm interested in who Duke's going to go higher. If I'm Duke, I'm trying to get the Coastal Carolina staff to come over. I think that would be a home run for a place like Duke. Uh, so we can clarify again, Monday afternoon, our Oklahoma website at 24-7 Sports is reporting that Brent Venables is expected at this point. Not that it's a done deal, but that wow. seems to be where it's going. So yeah, we'll God help us. about Tony Elliott. Yeah, Tony Elliott. Like if if Mac Brown retired at UNC or Tony Elliott, you know, there's there's some jobs that you could see Tony Elliott get involved in. I Mac well. shot that down supposedly. So we'll see. Yeah, just saying. We'll see. It's okay. Bob until it ain't. No, no more of that. That's so that's so 2019. <sighs> okay. To the part of the podcast where everyone uh what everyone is here for, and that is scoop for recruiting, that is transfer portal talk, but we're gonna kind of mix it in, go position by position down the board and do a kind of a reflection on what FSU had this season what it's expected to lose and, and how it's addressed. Uh, so as we begin to go down those position guys, I'm going to apply this exercise and, and try to keep track of it too while, while you're talking as people want to know what's happening in the transfer portal. In addition to what FSU's recruiting out of the high school ranks on the last podcast, Josh and Chris so kind of, you guys came between what I think Josh, you said six to eight guys in the portal. What you think FSU will have allocated to that as of right now, Chris, you were in the seven to nine range, if I'm not mistaken. I think so I'm going to slip in that, but yeah. All right. All right. Sorry. Uh, eight is what I'm going to go with. I'm going to have all three of you go ahead when we're going down the positions and say, I would allocate you know, one of these eight transfer spots to quarterback, one, two offensive line, whatever. And you have to get to eight. I will keep track of it. And we'll look at where you think those eight spots will be at the end of this. Okay. So hopefully that wasn't too confusing. Let's begin. A little confusing. But for me. It's not too confusing. It's, it's very unknown like yeah, very Sinone-like. I was going to go with a buyer Sinone question, but I can't think of one. Okay, quarterback. First off, uh, it, season ends with Jordan Travis, Mackenzie Milton, Tate Rotomaker on the roster. I don't expect Mackenzie Milton to be part of the program in any capacity uh, next season, even including uh, GA. As of right now, I do not expect that. A.J. Duffley is currently committed. High-ranked four-star quarterback crew. Because he's working to kind of finish that one off. Uh, as FSU moves forward, guys, Jordan Travis finished the year with a passer rating of 148.86. That is 49th nationally and 533 rushing yards. He is one of just five quarterbacks in the entire country to have a passer rating over 140. Are you trying to taint the process? <clears throat> I'm just providing hard, cold facts here and 500 rushing yards. So first off, uh, would you all like to apologize to me for saying he is an above average power five quarterback? Cause I think I never we, disagreed with you. Chris definitely did, but uh, if Chris wants to apologize, I'm here for it. I mean, by the numbers, I, Brendan, I don't know what we're doing. Oh, God, I don't want to fall back. <laughs> Keep the trains moving, Brendan. So no one's going to admit that I was right. Okay, cool. So as we look at the quarterback room, Josh, I'm going to throw this to you. you. I know you've been on the – you need to take a transfer quarterback to kind of solidify this position group. Are you still a proponent of that? And if so – what does that look like? Are you upgrading? Brendan, I, I, I can't imagine somebody watched the Florida Gator game and in thought that Florida State doesn't need a transfer quarterback. Like, did yeah. that just end the discussion right there? Okay, but when you say transfer quarterback, that's so nebulous. Like, are you talking about Spencer Radler that Zach is apparently stumping for right now? 
Are you talking about someone who is an FCS quarterback that's going to come in and, and compete with Jordan Travis, but really be Alex Hornerbrook? Like, what, what do you? What are you discussing when you say a transfer quarterback? Well, you have my opinion, and then you have what's happening in reality. And what's happening in reality is is what I've explained several times on the podcast. Florida State, I don't believe, is going to rock the boat until A.J. Duffy is signed. So with Spencer Rattler being – I maybe I'm wrong. This is my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Florida State's doing an in-home visit with Spencer Rattler later this week, and you know this is all for naught. But – Based on the people that I talk to, I don't expect FSU to rock the boat until AJ Duffy is signed. And and they're not saying nobody's saying that it's going to be after AJ Duffy signed either. They're just telling me FSU's not in the market for transfer QB. My opinion is different from than what I report. My opinion is I understand that you know the company line right now is to not pursue a, a transfer quarterback. But I think once they get A.J. Duffy signed, enrolled, and all that, I think you do go after a, a transfer quarterback. Maybe Spencer Rattler is not, not available at that point, which I get. Um, but there'll be plenty. There'll be plenty of options. And I think at that point, you pursue the best available. Chris? I was going to let Zach go. Zach? Oh, I'll go. <laughs> uh, I mean, um. I'm I'm in agreement with Josh. I think it's one of those situations that we've seen in past cycles. Obviously, it hasn't been um, a situation like this where they're worried about taking another quarterback because um, the other the other guy might leave. There's usually other circumstances at play, but we saw this happen with Nico Markiel earlier in the cycle. They took AJ Duffy, you know, whatever they may consider him a better quarterback prospect. Um, they get him in the class and. That their other quarterback, you know, steps away and decommits. They don't want that to happen with AJ Duffy down the stretch. Um, you know, regardless of how AJ feels about coming in with another quarterback, that might be an option. What you can't fumble? You can't fumble AJ Duffy's recruitment. You exactly. Can't. I already transferred. You know, Jeff Sims isn't on the roster. Um, Tate Rodemaker doesn't look like a formidable backup. Uh, Jeff Sims reference. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. At some point, like you can't, you can't botch this high school quarterback recruitment. Like you just, you can't botch it up because he's having like, Willie flashbacks. Basically, you you dump Nico. You know, whatever happened with Nico happened with Nico, and he's not he's not an option. FSU was going to probably try to take Nico and another. So now you got AJ Duffy. You're happy with AJ Duffy. You just got to make sure you sign him. I think that's vitally important. So I can understand them not pursuing a transfer quarterback until he signed. I can understand that. Do you think they're going to go December 16th and go find the best transfer quarterback and go target him? Mm, I mean, I don't think you have to do it on December 16th. I think they're going to know who who's in the portal. We know how this staff works. We know how the behind the scenes um, people you know do their job very well. So they're going to have a good grip on who's who's out there. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't want to make this sound like, um, this is the staff's plan because I'm not told that that is. I'm not told that they're trying to just get A.J. Duffy in and then go after a quarterback as soon as he signs the paper. Um, I'm being told the exact opposite. I'm being told they're not going to pursue a transfer quarterback. And remember what happened two offseasons ago when I got that message. It's st- It held true. Even though we thought that they should sign a transfer quarterback, it that message held through that they were not going to sign another transfer. Um, so... Josh explained the official stance. Well, I'll, I'll go with the opinion stance. Yes, you can sign a transfer quarterback without blinking twice. You try to get the best possible transfer quarterback you can get. When you're recruiting transfers, it should be one of two things. Best possible available player at position of need 
or a guy that fits something at a position that you need at that position. I think at quarterback, it's the best possible guy. Quarterback's too important of a position to be left in a situation where you're going to possibly rely on a true freshman or Tate Rodemaker if something happens to the guy you expect to be your starter. So I'm a one on that. So, yeah, so let's go down the list. Chris is a one. I'm a one. I take I take a transfer QB. Zachary? Yeah, I'm a, I'm a one. Okay, very confident there. I am also a, a one. I think it's a matter of finding – well, no one cares if I – I'm not going to count score for myself. No one's going to care about mine. But here's – the question, though, is – all right, December 16th rolls around. What are the chances that you find – Josh mentioned best – possible quarterback transfer you can't go you can't not have a quality backup to jordan travis in 2022 but what are the chances or the odds you guys think like that you actually find a quarterback who is a significant upgrade with the supporting cast you probably will have in place with jordan travis i think that's the question right like who who's demonstrably better than jordan that you that you think or do you think you can find someone who's significantly better than Jordan Travis in the portal this year at quarterback? I think that's the goal. Um, I don't yeah. know if you can. Obviously, you know, anytime you're recruiting, you're always trying to find something better. It's a cruel world. Recruiting isn't for the faint of heart. It, it is what it is. So I, I think, you know, you shoot for the stars, you bring in com- com- competition, and you see how it works out. I don't think anybody's going to unseat Jordan Travis. I don't. I don't expect that to happen. But if it does, so be it. It's better for, you know, it's, it's just. <laughs> okay, just trailed off there. Chris? Yeah. Uh, no, I think we're good. I think we've covered the quarterback situation. Okay. Probably. All right, let's move on to running back. So FSU ends the season with five running backs on scholarship. Jay Sean Corbin, Trey Sean Ward, the, the kind of the, the top end one-two punch among the, the leaders in the ACC in yards per carry. DJ Williams, Lawrence Tofilly, and Corey Wren. All those guys will have eligibility to return next season. I think it's going to be TBD is like Jay Sean Corbin. Is that someone who maybe tries his hand to go pro? I'm not convinced that he's a surefire NFL draft pick if he does. There's certainly a lot to like about him. Uh, but some of the splits like home and away are, are kind of uh, troubling. When Jordan Travis doesn't play like outside of uh, one or two big runs, not a whole lot there. He's someone who, who didn't get better as the year went on. Uh, so, Chris, I'll throw this to you. Just thoughts of the running back room and and I guess how much is an upgrade – in your estimation, needed at that position going into the 2022 campaign? I mean, if you can get somebody uniquely special, like, for example, Georgia Tech running back Jameer Gibbs went in today. If you can get a guy of that caliber, then yes, you don't blink. Mm-hmm. But that being said, I think FSU's recruiting some talented high school types. Javante Barnes is the first name that comes to mind. Las Vegas running back with some Florida ties that they went to see earlier this week. If you get a guy like that, I don't think you use a portal spot on that position. I think you've got enough dependable type guys at that position that if you can put a better O-line out there and some wide receiver talent, you got guys who can produce at the position at a good enough level. I don't view any of them as, you know, uniquely special game breaker types. We've mm-hmm. seen those here at FSU, you know, Delvin Cook being one of the more recent ones. But I, I don't know that you find something like that in a port. I don't – when we're trying to designate positions we're going to use it on, running back's not one I think of All right, for so a portal I'm spot. Coming to you, Zach, uh, you've been – Pretty, pretty uh, ahead of the, the curve with Javante Barnes recruitment and having updates from him and, and FSU, uh, certainly putting a lot of time and effort into that recruitment. Uh, so where do things stand currently with, with FSU and the four-star running back from uh, from Las Vegas? Yeah, so Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham went in home with Javante Barnes last night. 
Um, by all accounts, that visit went really well. I posted an update, like you mentioned, on Knowles 24-7. Just talked to Barnes about, about that visit. Um, I think the, the one wild card in his recruitment going forward is obviously um, Lincoln Riley heading over to USC. Um, when we first heard about Javante Barnes and FSU, there was a, a widely like held notion that USC was a top school for him. Um, at the time, he wasn't really that interested, but he told me in our interview that he did have a lot of love for USC early on. And I think um, with Lincoln Riley heading there, he could possibly um, check them out soon. I don't, I know Josh was, you were talking on the, the spaces that we did earlier that he could take an official there, but I don't believe he took an official to USC um, earlier, like before this coaching change. So I don't think he mm-hmm. can go back um, unless he uses, he replaces the Miami, the Miami official that's set for December 10th with USC. Um, but obviously, you know, Las Vegas isn't super far from LA, so he can go unofficially there um, if, if he really wanted to. And I think that's what he told me. He plans to get down there soon. Yeah. So that's pretty much the wild card I'm looking at. I don't know how involved Bama is with him. Um, didn't mention it a ton in our interview. Utah was another school he visited, but I think it's it's FSU and then, you know, Oklahoma. They have the running back coach, DeMarco Murray, who he's really, really close to. And that's probably the coach he was going to commit to um, before a lot of this stuff went down with Lincoln Riley heading out. So I'm monitoring USC in this recruitment. Obviously, OU is still in the picture, especially if they keep DeMarco Murray on staff. And then FSU is doing a great job in getting in that mix. And that I think it's a three-way battle right now. Yeah, I think that's really it right now at the running back board. I, we'll see if they visit Katron Allen. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they do, but I think he's a much longer shot than Javante Barnes. And I think Barnes at this point is sort of a long shot. Um We'll see what happens, but yeah, I think Zach's dead on the team to watch between now and signing days USC. And I think um, official or not, yeah, you're right. He he doesn't have an official to take to USC, but I don't think that matters. They're going to try to get him on campus, and FSU believes that you know he probably will make it on campus. And these final two weeks for Barnes are going to be pretty crazy. All right, what do we got for running back? Yes, no, or transfer portal? No, I would say not in not on my watch. All right, no for Josh Zachary. Jameer Gibbs are bust. Okay. I'm putting Zach down as a half. I'm not going to do that. That's a zero for now. Uh, no, no, though, if you get a special, if you get a special prospect, yes, you make room for, for him to get an upgrade there. All right. Uh, tight end. Are you a one or a zero, Brendan? Oh, I thought we weren't caring about mine. I'm a zero. I don't think, I don't think right now that's the best use of a scholarship. I would, I wasn't a big fan of the DJ Williams take last year for that reason. I think you have decent guys there, and I wouldn't do that again. So zero for me. Okay, tight end. Uh, FSU's got about two dozen of them. Uh, how many of them are going to be factors? Uh, they end the year with, with seriously those seven guys on scholarship. Jordan Wilson is the one who's exhausted his eligibility. He, he actually came on late in the year. Outside of that, I'm not sure what we're going to see in terms of attrition there. I expect some, like his Cameron McDonald, end up going – uh, pro, yeah, he's a fourth-year junior right now with the COVID year. So as he, you get a year five out of him, and just didn't get a ton of production. I feel like that you wanted from that position, given the amount of numbers that you've thrown into it right now. I know Chris is a huge fan of Jackson West, someone he thinks has potential. Marcus and Douglas showed some stuff in practice, but didn't do a ton in games. 
so I don't know who wants to who wants to take tight end. Uh, you know what? Josh loves talking about tight ends. I'll throw this to you, Josh. Anything at tight end recruiting, and I guess anyone in the portal right now, kind of pique your curiosity. No, there's nobody <laughs> out there that <laughs> piques my curiosity that they're recruiting right now. But I for for this exercise, I would take one tight end in the transfer portal. And I know that might be a surprise to some people, but if you actually I already had you listen, down to zero before you started no, talking. <laughs> no, because if you actually listen to the podcast, I'm not against them taking tight ends. I'm against them taking bad tight ends. So as long as they can get a good tight end in the portal, then I'm all for it. With this gets Josh's juices flowing his tight end recruiting. And I think they animated. do need it. I think based on what I've seen, I definitely think they need a tight end. I think the big question on tight end is, do you get McDonald back? Does Douglas take the next step? Is Wes ready to contribute? If two out of three of those are yeses, and I don't think you use one there, I'm just of the opinion it's a position. While it's very important in the run game and the additional blocker, I don't want to you know simplify that idea. I just don't know if it's worth the numbers when numbers get tight. So I'm going to know. These guys haven't really shown, proven to me that they, they know what they're doing when they're taking tight ends. Everything else I'm all in on, except for that. Is a zero for Chris? Um, and that's not a knock on Coach Thompson. That's just a knock on everybody. Zachary? <laughs> zero. I I don't know. You're you have to replace two extremely talented defensive ends. Um, I think you need to get probably two or three more offensive linemen, um, maybe one to two receivers. I just don't see how Zach's you emptying the clip of scholarship. Keep it in your pants, He's young man. Going. Jesus, play yeah. the game. You let it lose. Zach's oh pulling a Chris God. here and getting God. way ahead of himself. Yeah, I'm sorry, is. but right. you have to you have to put it holistically to, to for it to make sense. And I think I think uh considering that they don't need a tight end out of the transfer portal right now. And I didn't set it up very well, but a reminder, FSU has a commitment from Brian Courtney and Jarrell Powers. They need, high, they need more tight ends. High upside guys are more, both of them are more developmental athletic guys, but um, you know, Brian Courtney hasn't played the position before. Jarrell Powers, you know, he didn't play it a year ago. Or he Brian was Courtney kind of might, might not play the position right. for Florida State. <sighs> I'm going to go. Just you know, planting that seed. Look Josh makes a great point. You know what? I'm going to take that. I'm going to put one down there. Then you can use one for tight end or running back if you can get a surefire starter, blood and play type of guy. All right. I'm at one with you. Transfer. I'm going to kind of like take that as a running back. It's a gadget guy. Um, let's get into wide receiver. So Andrew Parchment availability ends. Uh, you know, fourth and 14 happened, but uh, but was not the graduate transfer that they needed in, in terms of elevating the passing game. All right. Now we have them down for eight wide receivers who were – Expected to return as of right now. I'm including Ja'Kai Douglas in there, Ontario Wilson, Keyshawn Helton, Jordan Young, Kentron Potier, Darian Williamson, Douglas, uh, Josh Burrell, and Malik McLean. McLean flashes at the end of the year and uh, times throughout the season. So you have some upside there. Real quick, what do they have coming in, Josh, at wide receiver? Should I ask you? I'm, I'm asking you about Destin Hill, basically. Turn off your phone. Who's new here? Jesus. Yeah, Destin Hill, to, my, to, to everything that I know, is expected to be in in January. So, um, you know, you can kind of pencil him into the depth chart. I wouldn't write with pen, but pencil until he shows up. Mm-hmm. And then committed uh, is Devon Mortimer right now. Zachary, who else is on the wide receiver board for Florida State? And I guess Rodney Hill counts as what, like a gadget type of type of guy potentially as well? I'll put him as a running back for now. Okay. Are we talking just from high school or transfer portal too? 
Well, right now, just guys that they're pursuing from high school. Who's committed and who are they targeting? Yeah, so the only guy they have committed right now is Devon Mortimer, like you mentioned. Um, the only two targets I would mention are five-star receiver Kevin Coleman out of Missouri and then um, St. Thomas Aquinas receiver Camden Brown, um, who used his OB for the Miami game. Bro, I was there for that Camden Brown interview. He's not coming here. We can move on that one. It was good of you to mention it. He was yeah, but they are going to see him in home, so it's worth, you know – yeah, it's worth yeah, yeah. Having him on the board. If they if they weren't, you know, I'm I'm all for taking guys off the board prematurely. But if they were not gonna go visit him in home, you know, I don't think they would waste their time. And we'll track that. We'll see if they actually do visit him in home. I know that's on schedule for the end of the week, so we'll see if it happens. Yeah, um, here's Brown's one more name I would throw in there in terms I know you know Joshua Moore and Micah Pittman are the two that we know Florida State to active with. Uh Theo Weiss. Oklahoma wide receiver, six foot three, two hundred pounds, entered the transfer portal this afternoon. I think he's a guy. If if I was gonna, you know, keep an eye on a third name, Theo Weiss, if if they can get traction there, I think they'd go after him. Yeah, I, I think they, you know, if they get Kevin Coleman, then may, maybe it's only two. But I think portal wise, mm-hmm. it's two or three. Yeah. Uh, they gotta flip that room over. It's gotta get better. They gotta get guys that can help them a lot. I don't know how many guys currently in that room you feel really are the type that you can lean on. You know, Pokey Wilson maybe as a third guy, help maybe as a third guy. McLean and Williamson are possibilities as developmental types. I don't know how you feel about Tron. I don't know how you feel about Jordan Young. Well, I know yeah, how I feel. I, I think you got to go two or three. I'll use two as my number there. Just keep it nice and simple and well-rounded. Uh, I was spacing out and laughing at Josh's joke. What was the number, Chris? Dose. Two. Yeah, I'll go with two, two at least two. Like Chris said, at least two. Ooh, so Wee's from Oklahoma, uh, the Oregon wide receiver, and then Pittman. Pittman it's early. I mean, I'm not going to just say that that's the board. We're seeing. No, we're I'm seeing just saying. I, yeah, right now those are probably the most realistic names. I'm informing our listeners of who is currently uh, in the market, and guys are still entering it. Like someone in the chat just mentioned Jake Bobo from Duke, who's a uh, solid. Wide receiver there. Uh, he just. I think they're trying so, to find solid wide receivers though. That's pro the, potential. Yeah, they want NFL guys. And who's the Texas A&M wide receiver as a, well? Right? Is he still in the mix? Or the Texas wide receiver? Excuse me. Joshua. Moore. Joshua Moore. Yeah. 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 You should Joshua. know that we have a lot of history with Joshua Moore. You guys do. All right. So Brendan, you're what number? Two. Zach. Two. All right. At least two. Yeah, I don't think you can go just one this year and risk it to be like if Andrew Parchment was complimented with someone else, it's not as big of a disaster as it was, but just that that didn't work out for you and it really hindered your offense. So, all right, offensive line. Uh, Good old offensive line. They exit this season. Well, they have 10 guys currently on scholarship exiting this season. Devontae Love-Taylor exhausts his eligibility. Bavion Johnson, I believe, exhausts his eligibility. It's been like 20 years for Bavion. Brady Scott, we do not expect back. He kind of did a goodbye letter. He walked on senior day. He had a year of eligibility remaining. We expect Brady Scott, who started multiple games for you this year. Uh, hence why why can't you just say get... Brady Scott's not coming back? Providing context. Was I, <laughs> I know, rambling but... or was that good context? No, but why can't you just say he's not? Like He put up the note saying like goodbye Seminole Nation. Because a lot of guys are saying thanks, deuces. I don't know what any of it means until so I know. So now struggling with these mixed right. messages he keeps but, getting. Look, Jamie Robinson and Brady Scott are not the same. Brady Scott said goodbye. He got he proposed for marriage. He is ready to go sell insurance and get married and start a family and just live in peace. 
He's Doug gone. Hunt. You can say that Brady Scott is no longer on the team or no longer part of the program. Jalen Goss is also someone who walked on senior day. He has not put out a goodbye note yet, but, but we don't expect him back. So right now you have 10 uh, that you have uh, accounted for currently on the roster. Uh, in this recruiting class, you have – oh, God, how many do they have at the moment? I'm pulling it up. Jalen Early? Jalen Early, Antavius Woody, Daughtry Richardson – uh, Quayshawn Sapp. Am I forgetting one? I'm going. I'm making oh, sure. Kaniah Charlton. Charlton is five. And you have a commitment from Bless Harris, uh, the FCS transfer. So mm-hmm. six guys that you currently have accounted for, one in the transfer portal right now. And when we do our math here, uh, are we counting transfer, Are we counting Bless Harris as part of like the numbers already when we do our projections? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. okay. All right. yeah. So, all right. So that's what they have right now. Uh, Josh. Who else is on the board currently on offensive line, whether we can go prep or we can go uh, transfer portal right now? I know there's at least one big fish. Primary two about. are Julian Armella, the four-star offensive tackle at St. Thomas Aquinas, who Florida State is in on heavy. I put a crystal ball pick in last week for Florida State. I believe there was a, a swarm of others that followed. Um, he'd be the top prep offensive lineman, and I would say Caden uh, Lyles right now, the center. Florida State really wants a center is the primary target in the transfer portal. There'll be more. There'll be more. But right now, I think that's a, that's about – that's all I know for right now. Kesna in, in the chat says Georgia Tech is beating out FSU for transfer office alignment. I think he's referring to the Alabama kid who entered the transfer portal the other day, quick or whatever it is. I, I oh, I can was, confirm FSU Florida State is not interested in any of the Alabama prospects currently in the portal. Not to say that that won't change, but the prospects currently in the portal, Florida State is not pursuing. Not so quick. I can confirm that. <laughs> so I mean, if, if we, we're we're going to report on the guys that they're in on, they pass on a lot of guys. We saw that last time. We're probably going to see that this time. But I do believe that they get more focused and do pursue. You know, I don't think they wait till the summer for sure. I think and so, Center is very important. Uh, you know, we got to see Thomas Schrader when he comes back healthy. Is he a guy that they use at guard or center? Regardless, they need to take one from the portal. They need a bigger body there, a more capable body. That was a position where they kind of got whooped down the stretch this year at. I think it's also important to definitely add another tackle guard swing type, even if you do add Armella out of the high school ranks. I think it's a two-spot position at least. Um, FSU, offensive line is so tough because you can take great freshmen – you're only going to get so much out of maybe one or two of those guys out of six or so freshmen because it's just how that position is. Bigger body, tougher mm-hmm. it is. You know, it's tough to throw those guys into the fire. But they need to restock freshmen. They need to restock sophomores, juniors, seniors. They need to have that depth chart better stocked at all levels. That's been a multi-year issue for them. And it's something they're definitely trying to resolve. And Dylan Gibbons being a two-year guy was a perfect solution to some of that, And for example. So I think it's very important for them to get – you know, very veteran type of center where they kind of have, you know, give Maurice a little time to develop more than maybe Schrader, possibly an incoming freshman guy, maybe Woody at center, you know, and then at tackle guard, you know, if you need to give Darius more time to get stronger or Robert Scott more time or you want to move one of those guys, give you an option at tackle without having to push an Armella or somebody like that out there immediately into the fire. So I think, two, one being a certainty at center, the other one being more of a swing type. Any developments that you want to add to that, Zach, before we uh, we throw our numbers out there? No, I mean, I think they've got it covered. Okay. I'm oh, well, going wait, to – yeah, Hold on. Uh, if we're going to talk offensive line, how can we not mention that Florida State 
head coach Mike Norvell is going to see five-star offensive tackle Keonta Goodwin today. Uh, the Kentucky commitment will get a visit from two FSU coaches. Again, I think he's a really big long shot, but they're going to swing for the fences and see if they can pull in one of these. Um, again, I think Julian Armella right now, though, is probably their best shot at a prep offensive lineman. Okay, Josh, I'll let you go with the number. How many, including bless hairs, would you would you? Well, don't get big eyed on me. Would you take three in the transfer portal? Three. Uh, you got to take three. You got because, like Chris said, you got to shore up the interior at center, and then you got to take a bless Harris. Whether or not he ends up signing, it's a spot in the class that needs to be filled. I think Bless Harris can fill that role, but then you need to go out and find a starting tackle because we don't think nobody on here thinks that Bless Harris is going to step in and, and really be the answer to start at tackle either of the tackle positions next year. So I Bless think Harris fixes your depth issue that you had this year where you, you got to a point with Brady, Brady Scott, Scott or baby yeah. on Johnson. You, you add another body to that count. Yeah. You don't go full emergency mode when, when a tackle goes down with Bless Harris, but now you need to go out and find your starter. So three, three, that's including Harris, correct? Yes. Right. Yeah. Chris? I said two. Two oh, plus you did? Harris. Yeah. So three? Yeah, but we already were counting Harris, I thought. Yeah, but we're saying the collective number of transfers that we think they're going to take is roughly yes. eight, and so we're operating that with them. Math. Oh, God, I thought we had ten. Oh, shoot. This is going to be difficult. Zach, how many do you have? Offensive line. I think you got to go bless Harris. Caden Lyles are another center type, and then like a tackle. Um, so three. Okay. As we get to the defensive side of the ball, uh, real quick, want to say on the bench is red hot right now. Uh, Knowles twenty four seven is red hot right now. We're scorching. If you want someone who can do ad reads for you and do it better than me, we'll have Chris or or Josh or Zach. Yeah, we'll, we'll pimp the hell out of your business. So we want to get this show sponsored permanently long-term kind of deal and we can make we can sell product right josh we can move it That's we can sure. move it mm-hmm. all right let's go to edge rushers so fsu obviously gets a ton of production this year for jermaine johnson from jermaine johnson and care thomas uh they have nine guys right now that we can account for after those two move on and and we'll certainly jermaine johnson will be drafted imagine care thomas is gonna have a decent shot at it too so we have nine I'm including Leonard Warner in that. As Chris mentioned earlier, we're not entirely sure what the waiver status is going to be for him. You have Marcus Cushney, who is a, a graduate transfer, who has one more year of eligibility remaining. Didn't really give you the impact that you hoped he would. Derek McClendon, flash at times. I think he had three and a half sacks to four at uh, this season. Question on Fuller, ups and downs. TJ Davis, probably more of a defensive tackle at this point. Patrick Payton, George Wilson, Byron Turner, and Shambra Jackson as the freshman from last year really don't contribute a ton for a variety of reasons. So that's what you have. Uh, edge rusher coming back at defensive end right now in this recruiting class. Uh, you have – who's my boy from uh, Neptune Beach? Aaron Hester. And I think that's it for for edge defenders at the moment. So, Chris, uh, what, are we, what are we looking at at defensive end on the board right now? And um, I'll start talking about, I guess, grad transfers as well as far as numbers. Uh, go ahead and throw your prediction when you're done talking about the defensive end board. Well, you have Marvin Jones Jr., of course, FSU Legacy, major battle with Alabama. Oklahoma was in there before everything blew up there. I think they're now done with his recruitment. Um, Is USC part of the recruitment? I don't think so. I think think Lincoln Riley burned that bridge and it's done. Um, 
Nigel Kelly's not a kid. FSU will be in home with him later this week. Loves the recruiting process, doesn't give it away. FSU, Oregon, Miami, uh, definitely in it. I, I think Georgia has a shot if they can get him on campus. We'll see if that happens again. Am I forgetting anybody with him, Zach? Georgia, Oregon, Miami, Florida State. I don't think so. LSU? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I guess LSU is considered in there, but LSU is kind of a to-be-determined type of situation because of the fact that you know they haven't hired a coach. Um, so those are two edge guys that I definitely think are worth knowing. On the interior, uh, it's probably worth also mentioning at edge, Dante Anderson. It's somebody I expect them to visit. They might bring him in for an official. I think to some degree he's a little bit more on the back burner compared to the other two we just mentioned. On the interior, they obviously have a commitment from Daniel Lyons, who should help them there. Uh, Bishop Thomas, who they're going to see today, is another young man that will probably help him on the interior. He's a bit more of a strong side defensive end type, body type. But FSU usually bulks those up and moves him in, kind of like Josh Farmer last year. So you got those committed uh, target-wise at D-tackle. There's not anybody off the top of my head, correct? Uh, so I think that's oh, a position. Wait, at defensive tackle? Yeah, target-wise. Uh, well, okay, Mr. Skiphead, that's going to be a different position. I mean, I mean – Personal opinion, I think Nigel Kelly might end up a D-tackle long-term in his college career, but that's a whole other discussion for another day. Are, are you counting like guys who are committed to Florida State as that? Or just cause Bishop I'm Thomas saying additional targets outside lines. of Lions and Thomas that okay. they might take okay. a defensive tackle. Tyree West? Yes, Tyree thank West. you, Zach. I did forget Tyree West. So he's certainly one. I actually think FSU definitely leads. I think crystal ball-wise, we're all in on that one. Yeah, um, but didn't, didn't it go down a point for Josh? Just one point for Josh, yeah. But uh, Josh so, is leaving. <laughs> he'll be right back. So that's what they have on the board. Target-wise, I think it's going to come down to what does Fabian Lovett decide to do. Obviously, we know they're losing Jermaine and Keir, so you got to fix the edge situation. If you get one or both of those high school guys we mentioned out of gate, Kelly and Jones Jr., that really changes the dynamic. If you miss, you probably have to go portal because you're going to need it. I do think defensive end is a spot where they can plug one of those freshmen in and get good returns, especially if it's Marvin Jones Jr. I think he's a dude that can play day one and contribute at a good level. Brian Burns, but with much more bulk, much more ready, and definitely ready to play. He's a competitive kid. Um, so it, it's tough to kind of look at the transfer number with them at defensive line right now. I think there's so much to be determined. Does Cooper go? Does Lovett go? You know, if you lose both of those, you probably have to take a tackle body because Malcolm Ray's the next man up. Josh Farmer didn't get a ton of burn this year. I don't really know who the next guy would be for them right now at that position. You probably need somebody at least as a stopgap band-aid on the interior. Uh, Dennis Briggs obviously should be back and healthy, and he's a guy that I love and I think was set to have a pretty big year before he hurt his foot, ankle, whatever it was, lower extremity. Um, So I think in the end, if I had to put a number on it today, it's like a a one-and-a-half for me because defensive end is a half because if they miss on one or both, that's going to go up. Defensive tackle, I think they're probably going to end up needing one because I, I kind of have a feeling that we're going to lose Lovett and Cooper. I think there's a fair chance of that happening. And, and currently, that's no, okay. Currently, at interior defensive line, we can include it all in one. You have seven guys that we account for right now Robert Cooper, Dennis Briggs, as Chris mentioned, Jarrett Jackson, who uh, impressed later in the year, Fabian Lovett, who had a great like beginning to middle this season. That was an injury, kind of fell off a little bit. Uh, which is an interesting variable. True Thompson really has kind of fallen out of the rotation. Malcolm Ray played well. And then Joshua Farmer, a true freshman who I think they're pretty high on, but 
still developing physically and, and wasn't quite able to contribute uh, this year outside of a couple snaps here and there. So that's what you have. I think Robert Cooper probably goes pro at this point. Like he's been at FSU for four years. He has one more year of eligibility left. I just don't know what else he's going to get out of coming back another year. I think he's kind of maxed out of w- what he can be. Uh, Fabian Lovett's interesting because I can see him still continuing to grow. He didn't have a great back half of the season, but some we've talked about before could probably use uh, getting drafted in his life for, for personal reasons uh, financially. And someone who who projects like the athleticism and the size as a NFL caliber defensive tackle. So it'll be interesting. Uh, with that being said, so Chris is at, what do we say? 1.5 for you for the defensive yeah. line. I mean, okay. We'll make it difficult. Uh, Zachary, uh, for you at defensive line, anything that you want to add in terms of recruiting nuggets? And then if you want to throw out a number for both edge and interior defensive line, uh, what you have there? Um, not really much to add with the, uh, with the targets, but I think, um, for the interior, I'd probably go zero. Like I, I like what they've got coming in. Um, especially if they land Harry West, I don't know if those guys are instant impact, but you hope Malcolm Ray develops a little bit more over the offseason. Um, some of those other guys in that room do. I think the end position is way more important um, just from a production standpoint. That's where basically all their production came from. How much can you count on Derek McClendon, Quisham Fuller, Pat Payton, George Wilson getting that production or anywhere close to that next season? I think they probably, like a guy like Pat Payton probably needs another year or it becomes a, an impact guy um, if he's going to reach that level. But I think they definitely need to go and, and try to recapture, you know, what they did in the portal last year with, with the addition of Jermaine and Kier. So what was your number for, for edge defender? Two. Two and zero for interior defensive yeah. line? All right. Josh, how about you? Defensive line, if you want to split it in the edge and interior defensive line, we can, we can do that. I would take uh... – Two edge rushers and an interior guy, but it depends. It depends, you know, how good they are. I maybe move some of those numbers around. Do you want to cheat and do one point five like Chris, or two point five? All right. So we're. I was about to say two guys edge, but I may be out of numbers already. I have uh, you down for including Bless Harris seven on offense. Six, yep. if you're not including Blair. So I, I can only take one edge defender, so I'm done. I'm at eight, so I'm done. Uh, Chris, what are you at? Are you close to it at this point? Um, well, I mean, I took five plus one on offense, including Bless Harris of six, and edge would put me at seven and a half, eight. Okay, so you're at 7.5. Zach's at one, two, three, six, seven, eight. So, so Zach's done. And then Josh, you're at one, two, three, four. Five, six, seven, eight, and you've gone over, which is not surprising that Josh has broken the rules already. <laughs> no, that's okay. I'm going to take a couple more too because the numbers always work out. <laughs> All right. So as we're getting to, to finish up the defense here, we're running into some problems with numbers, which I think is going to be telling to holes that FSU has and needs. And uh, yes, Mark, right now we're projecting eight, maybe give or take some, could end up being more, might be a little bit less. We'll see. Uh, but yeah, so let's go to linebacker now and, and, since Chris, you're the only one I think that can still add half of a player. Uh, I'll let you start with linebacker. What's currently committed? Oh, no, I'll say what's coming back real quick. I'll, I'll fill in the people. Uh, so you have Emmett Rice potentially coming back, Amari Gaynor, 
potentially coming back. We'll see if he goes pro or not. Uh, Emmett Rice uh, is someone who who may get a waiver. Jaleel McRae was pretty much scout team all year. Kalen Deloach, a definite bright spot. Steven Dix Jr., who uh, takes a step back this year, but still young. We'll see what happens. J.M. McCluster, scout team guy. DJ Lundy. I think you got to figure out whether he's a defensive end and like needs to add 10 more pounds and be like a, the Fox to replace Keir Thomas or whether he loses 10 pounds and plays linebacker, but, but some growth in Jordan Eubanks. So eight guys accounted for currently. And then who's committed right now? Omer Graham. Am I missing anyone else? Nope. Linebackers, a recruiting a source spot based on Chris's abrupt answer to that. So let's talk about no. linebacker recruiting. What's on the board. I'll, I'll give you a fair shake. To actually I mean, it's essential to get Wesley Bassain. Yeah, I mean that's kind of the beginning and the end of the conversation. If you get Wesley Bassain, I don't, I don't think linebackers a spot where you go portal unless somebody perfect for what you're trying to do at that spot. Which I'm not entirely sure what FSU's trying to do at that spot because I don't think they have talent to put it on display. So it's kind of tough to see. Um, I just don't think that's a spot where you use it. I, I think it's about getting the right high school guys that fit what you want to be. I think Wesley Bassain is a huge piece of the puzzle for this recruiting class for FSU. There's other linebackers on the board, too, and I'll let Zach and Josh explain that because they do a better job with that than I do. But Wesley Besaint's a dude for me. Yeah, go go ahead, Zach, because you're shaking your head adamantly agreeing that Besaint's a, a huge uh, piece of this puzzle here. Yeah, I mean, he's a must-get for Chris Barth and the staff. Um, I think the other guy to note, I know FSU fans don't want to hear this, but FSU's still involved with Jaron Willis. No, God! The Georgia Tech. Safety. I don't know what you want to call him. The Georgia Tech athlete commit. Um, They've had some coaching change over there, if I I believe. Um, Maybe someone like his position coach is, I don't know, something. I I read something. But um, I think uh, that'll switch up. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Everyone's everyone's angry. But I think they're going to go see him uh, in home this week. We'll see what happens. Um, I'm of the opinion that, like what Chris said, like you don't just take a linebacker to take a linebacker out of the transfer portal. But if you find a guy that 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 fits what they're trying to do, whatever that is, um, you you've got to go and, and get one. I, I think they need like Kalen Deloach is a good leader in that room, but there's not really a guy that's a veteran. Um, obviously, if Emmett Rice is back, then you kind of have that guy, but there's not really a veteran in that room that that's kind of the leader. That's such an important position to have. A leader because they kind of serve as the leader for your defense and that's not to say that Kalen Deloach hasn't done a great job at that this season or this past season but I think um adding a, a you know a veteran guy that that can produce for you would would be pretty valuable for this for this defense next year yeah Georgia Tech is making at least three coaching changes uh Nathan Burton is one of those he is their uh <clears throat> co-defensive coordinator also, DB's coach, or I'm sorry, cornerback's coach and special teams coordinator Jeff Popovich is out. Offensive coordinator also got canned. So, yeah, there are changes over there for Tech. Uh, Chris, who, why, why your mic is on, who is the linebacker who was recruited, recruited, committed to Oklahoma that may be on the market for FSU now? Uh, Kobe. Uh, Kobe uh, is it McKenzie. McKenzie? Yeah. yeah. Kobe McKenzie is a guy that FSU was really involved with early on. He's from Lubbock, Texas. He was rustling cattle from the B.C. Corrigan Cattle Company of Lubbock, Texas. I believe Chris Thompson has some ties there. Chris Murph had a relationship with the young man. I've reached out today to see if FSU has hit him up since he uh, decided to decommit from the Sooners. Waiting to hear back. Have not heard back from him yet. Okay. 
Zach, I'm sorry. What was your uh, portal allocation there for linebacker? Yes or no? Am I allowed to go over eight? I mean, at this point, Josh cheated. Why is Josh knowing me when he's at nine right now? Because Josh can do what he wants. The numbers always work out. That's his thing. I don't know what you want me to tell you. Them's the rules. I mean, I, I, I think one at linebacker is what I would go. Okay. And Chris, to clarify, you went with zero, correct? A correct. linebacker? Okay. Joshua? I'd go with zero because I like pain. <laughs> I am really, really optimistic about the growth that Kalen DeLoach made. Uh, and if you can get Emmett Rice back and DJ Lundy, that's three. Gainer, if he returns, you're like, that's a solid four. And then maybe someone else takes a step. I don't know. So you're a no. I don't have yeah, any more I'm numbers. Go. I'm going to play by the rules. I'm going. Right. Oh, God. Who said yes? I put the one in the wrong category. Zach. 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 Okay. Right, I was going to combine safety and corner. I was going to do this individually, but we're trying to wrap things up here and, and hurry along with the podcast. So uh, safety cornerback right now. Coming no, back not. at. Okay. Well, then I'll go individually if that's what you would. Like. Uh, I thought you, I'm saying no. We're not trying to hurry it along. This oh, I not, am. This is me trying to go fast. Trying. This is me trying hard. The fact that this would be under two hours is miraculous. So it's safety. Jamie Robinson. We got an hour and ten minutes. Calm down over there, okay? Who me? Yes, you. I'm. Take a breath. Collect yourself. Take a sip of bourbon. This is like a snap just went over your head and turned second and five into third and 16, and you're just done. Like, we're already punting, and it's only third down. Calm down. Should Collect I fair yourself. catch the punt like Pokey Wilson did into the sun, or too soon? Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. Oh, my God. If you take a wide receiver, you have to get someone who has experience returning punts and isn't afraid to, to catch the ball. Anyways, safety. Right now, we have eight returning. Jamie Robinson is part of that for how long i'm not sure chris right uh, we'll see the note felt open-ended i guess <laughs> is the best way of describing yesterday no well, him and brady scott both wrote a similar note so we'll see what happens jarquez mcclellan uh, earned a scholarship spot if he wasn't on scholarship uh he returns for one more year we believe renardo green moved to cornerback at the end of the year i'm not sure what the future is for renardo I've been dealing with injuries uh, but he's there. Brendan Gant, we'll see. Travis Jay is at cornerback, and I don't know what. Uh, Jadarius Green McKnight uh, at linebacker. I didn't update this part of the <laughs> spreadsheet clearly. Sidney Williams dealt with injuries at the end of the year, and Shaheem Brown. So that's at safety. Uh, we have eight there roughly, but you can move guys around and, and, and whatnot. At cornerback, we have Akeem Dent. No, he was a safety. Damn it, Brendan. Really butchering this at the very end. Sticking the landed. <laughs> Jerry and Jones. Jarvis Brownlee, Demory Tate, Kevin Knowles, Duke Cooper, and Hunter Washington. So combined, we have 15 guys that are returning. Now, some of the guys who were slated to be part of this class as of right now, there's two defensive backs committed. Maybe you've heard of them. I don't know. Travis Hunter is one. Sam McCall is the other. That's the number one recruit nationally and the number 25 recruit nationally. Uh, Travis, respectively. Hunter at cornerback. Maybe a little wide receiver too. Sam McCall at safety so that's the defensive back room currently projected zachary you've done a really nice job updating uh, a couple of recruitments there's some juco guys in the mix there's some prep prospects that are still in the mix right now so i guess what is on the board currently for fsu uh, in terms of both juco and prep prospects yeah well 
I think at, you know, if you're talking about prep guys, um, Earl Little Jr., Kendrick Law, um, probably missing one more, Kamari Wilson, I went to go see today. Those are the three guys that I, I would outline at the prep level. Um, you're, you're battling the top schools for all those guys who, it's like we mentioned, like they're, they're going for, for top dogs at, at positions that, you know, like the defensive back position. There are, Travis Hunter and Sam McCall is an already elite class. They're just trying to find that one or two spots to finish it out. Um, but other than prep guys, I mentioned today, Marquise Gilbert got a visit from defensive coordinator Adam Fuller. He's a JUCO uh, cornerback pro- or safety prospect out of Hutchinson Community College in Kansas. And then out of the transfer portal, there's been a few names. I think most notably Marcus Banks, um, the former Alabama defensive back who um, has FSU ties. Bobby Meeks is his fa- father, right? Yes. Yeah. So um, he's a guy that we expect in for an official next weekend, not this coming weekend, the, the, the weekend following that. Um, he's a guy that I could see them pursuing and, and trying to sign. Other than that, pro- there might be some more names that show up over the next week or two um, with transfer guys or high school options um, with, you know, all these coaching changes, there might be some decommitments or whatever. So we'll monitor it, but um, th- those are the names to watch. Any one that you guys want to add or anything to the defensive back group before we talk about the potential portal there? No, I mean, I, I think Hunter and McCall are both guys that you can expect to contribute day one, especially Hunter. I think Hunter's a guy that can start day one. Um, you know, I think for FSU, it's, it's important to, one, have a better starting group overall, a better second corner, first corner type of situation. And then depth is important. Depth has been an issue at that position the last two years, mainly because of injuries. Well, last year, injuries and departures. The The big question mark with the DB group is we presume it's going to thin out to some degree. How it thins out, not real sure. Joshua? Um, I think that, like Chris said, Travis Hunter and Sam McCall are going to come in and, and be able to make an impact year one. So you're getting a little bit of relief. You're getting, you know, the Calvary's on its way. I I don't know right now about the transfer portal, but I do like some of the JUCO options, you know, that Zach talked about that's on the board. Um, so if you're going to count that as a transfer, are you counting JUCO as transfer for me? No. Nope. Okay, then no. Then no. Give me zero right now based on okay. what I know. Yeah, I think it has to be a special guy. I think Marcus Banks is viewed as a high-level cover corner, a one-on-one type winner. I think that's why they value him. I think it's more about his individual talent than looking at the portal to try to get one. So I think it's a position where they could very easily use zero unless it's a guy of that sort. And if a lot of it's going to depend on like what Jamie Robinson decides to do ultimately, because I think if you have him coming back next year, you feel pretty good about your safety group with between him, Jarquez McClellan. I don't forget Sidney Williams was a starter before he was injured. So that's three solid ones right there, which is minimum of what you need. Uh, and then obviously if you add McCall to that as expected, and if Shaheen Brown takes another step, if you can get then anything out of Renardo Green, Brendan Gant, or Travis Jay, uh, then that's at least something there. At cornerback, like I feel pretty good about guys. Oh, and Akeem Dent too, also at safety, you know, played well at the end of the year. Uh, but cornerback, I feel solid with Jarvis Brownlee, uh, Kevin Knowles, and Duke Cooper. Then you add uh, – Travis Hunter to that mix too, like that, that plays that works. So yeah, I don't think you have to go in the portal there. So I'm at zero. Uh, we're all at zero for defensive back. 
Yeah, I think it's kind of a – I view it as a plus one spot where if it's the right one, then you take it. But is it a necessity? I don't know about that. So I'm more zero than one. And Josh was at zero. Zach, you were at zero? Yeah, I think if it's a Marcus Banks, maybe. But right. I'd probably lean towards zero just because I think you've got to use those transfer like spots elsewhere where you need more help. Whereas at this – I mean, I think it's the best high school recruited position that they have with Travis Hunter and Sam McCall coming in. Um, like Travis Hunter can come in and just be a, a day one starter as a cover corner. And then McCall, you know, rotating into that safety mix. I don't really think you need one, um, in my opinion, especially if Jamie Robinson comes back. And don't forget, you hit on two of your cornerbacks for sure this past cycle, Kevin Knowles and, and Duke Cooper. And they like Hunter Washington as well, just someone who needs a little bit more time. But, but I don't think he's... You know, someone's out of the mix next year. Um, so, so yeah, we're all at, at zero there. Uh, Zach potentially using one uh, if, if the right guy shows up. So that right now, going into special teams, uh, Bob Ferrante Memoriam, we got – I'm at eight because I follow the rules. Chris is at 7.5 because he follows the rules and is conservative, so he has half a player running around with you know no torso maybe. And then Josh and Zach both cheated and are at nine. So, Chris, I'm going to throw this to you at special teams. You bring back Parker Grothhouse, Ryan Fitzgerald, and Alex Mastermano, uh, all on scholarship, if I recall correctly. Um, wait, is Fitzgerald on scholarship? Yes. Yes, he is. So, you have all those guys coming back. Do you burn a scholarship on a kicker uh, in the transfer no. portal? No. Maybe you try to add a kicker, but it's not a position where you need to use another scholarship. Hmm. Okay. Uh since Zach and Josh are playing with Monopoly money here, do you guys want to add a specialist at all to your to your nine currently? No, just give me a guy that can catch a punt. That's all I want. I think you had three kickers. Oh, so. Throw numbers at it. You know what? I'm going to cheat and go over because everyone else is, and I'm going to add a kicker. I think you have to get a kicker. How many games were decided by poor special teams? Like specifically just kicking the ball, not returning or, or anything else, coverage, just kicking the ball. It factored into nearly all of them. I don't know if it decided them, but it, it factored in heavily. Yeah. I mean, Notre Dame. If you're adding a kicker, game. you need to show one of the other ones the door. Yeah. I'm okay with that happening. There just from a scholarship point. allocation standpoint, you can't have three kickers on scholarship and program at the same time. <laughs> unless they're like all grammaticas or Janikowski's. But they have 10 tight ends, Chris. You can do whatever the hell you want. That's Josh's department. Take it up with him. If you can get a kicker who's like a career 80%, 85% field goal kicker, like I, I think that's worthwhile if you could find that. All right. We done? Is that everything? We're at an hour and 23 minutes. It's not bad. Yeah. I think my guys are all checked out. Wow. Anything we want to add before we exit on the bench here? I was humored by Josh texting at 10 p.m. last night. And you texting Chris at 6 a.m. this morning. It was bizarre world. I was on the phone till almost 11.30 last night. Attaboy. Had a uh, source that I hadn't talked to all season. I was just about to go to bed, typical bedtime, like 9.45. It was like an hour and a half phone call. So late night brag. What a humble brag. Okay, so, so the final numbers here as we wrap this up for the transfer portal allocation, scholarship allocation, uh, Josh, nine, Zach, nine, 
myself, nine if you can find a good kicker, and Chris at 7.5. Chris, what would you use your 0.5 at? You got it. You want to use that on anyone? I mean, I think you probably end up using the 0.5 on the D-line, and if you're going to add one more, it's probably a DB, but we covered that scenario. Half of a kicker, just the legs. Just the legs. That's all you need. You know, I'm overthinking things. You don't need a head. You don't need a brain. No, 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 just kick. Okay, but point being, as we wrap this up, FSU is going to be active in the transfer portal. That's already started. We anticipate that to continue to progress throughout the offseason. We will keep you posted of that on those 24-7. And, yeah, FSU's got a lot of guys they still need to address and not a whole lot of room to do it, so they're going to have to be judicious with it. Josh, one more time before we wrap up, and I'll let you exit the podcast or end it because you're better at finishing than I am. I'm already rambling and getting nervous and rubbing my hands together like a praying mantis. Uh, tell the people where they can find, not just on the bench, uh, but but anything on Nose 24-7. Like, what should they be doing subscriptions? Well, you just told them where they can find it. But, yeah, we are absolutely killing it right now on Knowles 24-7. This is our time to shine. Me and Zach, we are out here reporting – Everything that's going on in FSU recruiting, uh, we came out of the gates smoking hot on Sunday and Monday. Also, a recruiting scoop dropped today on um, some of the results that we've heard back from some of these uh, in-home visits. So if you're looking to join Knowles 24-7, now is the time. We have a 75% off promo. It doesn't really get better than this. You guys always ask me when we're doing these deals. Now is the time. There's a couple hours left. It'll end at midnight on Monday. Go out there and get it. For Brendan Sinone, for Chris Knee, for Zach Blostein, I am Josh Newberg. Thank you for listening to On the Bench. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.